The Goal Radio Football Show. Hi, it's Tuesday evening. I'm Paul Cooney with Ali Defoy and Stephen Cragen here for the next two hours on the Go Radio Football Show. Just forget about your woes, about restrictions and 10 o'clock closing in the pubs and restaurants. Let's concentrate on the football and yes, how it affects you. Nothing is more important than how you and yours are keeping. And to entertain you in the next two hours, well, can you believe it, Stephen? In the first hour, in fact, in 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by not a legend, but an icon. Scotland's most capped player, uh, one of the greatest ever, our joint top scorer, Cumbernauld United's favourite <laughs> young son as he was. Sir Kenny Dalglish is joining us. Yeah, I think it's terrific. You know, it's very good for the station. I always think it's good to get an insight of people who have worked at the top of their game, Paul. So please, you know, I'm sure you'll ask any questions, any queries you want to put to Kenny Dalglish, send them in and we will try and fire them at him as quick as we possibly can. Well, he's in great form. We were speaking to him just beforehand. So there's a few questions in from you already, including Cy Ferry. But Ali, anyone can call in and uh, give us a question just now. Absolutely. 0808 17 17 700. That's our number. Or if you wish, drop us a text 87474. Put go at the start or the socials at Go Football Show. Sir Kenny Dalglish joining us in 15 minutes time yeah the former Celtic Liverpool I mean what a year to be speaking to him Stephen given everything that's happened there at Anfield you know Covid uh, it's everywhere but it didn't stop the celebrations for the Liverpool people who waited 30 years to win the title which is incredible you know you think of the players and the teams they've had over those 30 years and they haven't managed to win a title that's far too long for a club that size so relief but I think what I want to ask him is how do they maintain that Mm -hmm. how do they go to the next level again how do you motivate the elite player who wants for nothing Paul it'll be interesting to hear Kenny's take on that so Kenny with us very shortly we're delighted that he's joining us on Glasgow's own and Go Radio and uh, we'll get some of your memories of him as well I was just checking your age Stephen so you'll remember him as a boy <laughs> watching him in the telly young, young Paul yeah. don't be telling anybody I remember the day it was announced that he was leaving Celtic to go in fact we broke the story on the radio station here right. in Glasgow that uh, the things that we do now in Go Radio but uh, and honestly I've never seen anything like it when Kenny was going to Liverpool and who would have believed that you could uh, succeed Kevin Keegan in such style because he he was yeah. He, was, he was a legend yeah. and Kenny became the icon he did yeah. sensational you know it, you know, I think the fact that he's got a sir in front of his name mm. tells you more about him <laughs> as an individual never mind a football player so yeah an absolute icon of the game it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say and in the second I mean everyone seems to have a title where joint and winning and attitude and everything is something that I'm really impressed with you Stephen when I listen to you and when you know, I hear you on the telly so this is a young man joining us who in the last two weeks was at Flushing Meadows and he won the US Open and the wheelchair men's doubles it is of course Gordon Reid MBE he's joining us and alongside him Judy Murray OBE so Judy's coming on and there's a wee bit of rivalry there as well football wise with those two you're making me feel slightly inadequate I'm looking for the initials after my name and there's absolutely nothing Paul so yeah you're not helping my ego by any stretch of imagination but it's great to have these kind of people coming on Go Radio giving us an insight to being successful that drive you know being in a wheelchair, still being competitive in sport. Wonderful story. And he loves his football as well. He's a Rangers supporter. And Judy, of course, uh, a Hebs fan as well. So we're looking forward to speaking to them. That's at six o'clock. And also in the second hour, Shelley Kerr, MBE. You all know her. She's the Scottish football manager and because uh, they would have been playing against uh, Portugal in the European uh, Championships. But, of course, it's not happening because of COVID. Yeah. Well, it's, again, interesting to see how Shelley's coping with it, how she's speaking to your players, what plans are in place? I think they've got games in October, games in November. Maybe in, I think it's a game in early December. So mm-hmm. plenty to look forward to. I think they're second in their group. Qualification, you'd imagine, would be in their own hands. So 
Let's see if that takes place. OK, some of the headlines tonight then. Obviously, COVID is dominating. What does it mean in football? It means that, uh, well, it'll be some time before the fans are back in. The experiment that would have been in a couple of weeks' time is being pushed back. But it does mean, it's just confirmed, Celtic Rangers on October the 17th will go ahead, but there'll be no fans. So that's the news, Stephen Cragen. The game is going ahead, but without fans at all. It's going to be surreal. Yep. You know, the old firm games are usually all about atmosphere, uh, about tension, you know, about that intimidating atmosphere. That lacking, you would imagine, Paul, that would, would certainly help the away side in this fixture. You know, they won't have to deal with, the, what, 99% uh, of Celtic fans being at the game. So Rangers, I wouldn't say it makes them favourites, but it certainly makes it more even. It certainly, you know, they will look forward to that game. Uh, not having the crowd, it, it's going to be uh, different to watch, mm-hmm. but we're going to have to deal with it and move on. Mm-hmm. Some other headlines, we'll come back to that in a moment. And what do you think? Give us a call, 0808 17 17 700. Paolo Maldini at AC Milan is confirming interest in Christopher Iyer of Celtic, but he insists it's not a priority. This has been rumbling for weeks mm. now, Stephen. Do you think it's going to happen? Well, it's one of those ones, because it keeps coming up, and mm. Paolo Maldini has now got involved and made a couple of comments, you think there's certainly interest. But what happens, Paul, is some clubs have a number one choice and if they don't get it then they want to look elsewhere but you know he fits the profile of what a big European club may potentially be looking for he's got a he's good age he's played plenty of first team games under the you know at Celtic in the high, pro, uh, the high profile environment games you have to win he's a full international he's still got improvement in him and he's got the physical capabilities of getting better and better so I can see why the clubs like AC Milan would be interested in Christopher Iyer and this longest ever uh, transfer window (laughs) it's really tough isn't it for the coaches and the managers to to know what is the the team going to be looking like after the 5th of October on that you know in Leeds today they're saying they're looking still not Leeds United but Leeds they like Ryan Kent we heard it a few weeks ago he said I'm going nowhere but uh, he's impressed so much are you surprised by this? No, I'm not surprised his interest because I think since the start of the season he's been their best player. He's been the one player you think is going to make something happen. Rangers speak a lot about getting your numbers up and by that they mean assists and goals and I think he's added that to his game. It's no surprise for me that it's the first time he's had a real pre-season with Rangers. I think when he had his loan last year uh, he came in after pre-season so he's had a full pre-season, he's up to speed, he's on form. What they've also done is they've invested a lot of money in him but he's now an asset that is worth a lot more. So it makes a lot of business sense for to spend that money on him. They need to keep him, although they need to win trophies because players want to play in teams that win trophies. If they don't win trophies this year, I think a lot of them could be looking elsewhere, maybe trying to plot something away. But at this moment in time, he said he's happy. You've got to take him at his word. But if Leeds come in with an offer and Rangers go, we have to take that. Maybe out of his hands. Rangers fans, what do you think? Give us a call. 0808 17 17 700. Alfredo Morella's back in the goal trail and looking happier. Um, but Lille, as we heard two, three weeks ago in the channel here, uh, Jim White came on from Sky Sports and told us that the Lille president said, it's not over yet, watch out for this. But uh, today there are rumblings again about that. Again, that's that's the club that has been constant. You know, there's been different clubs mentioned here and there, some clubs in England, but Lille is always the one that comes and goes and comes and goes. I think they're waiting potentially again to see if they if there's movement. Again, sometimes these are chained reactions. It takes one or two to move or little things to come up. Somebody not to hit the ground running and they go and invest again. But three goals in two games, albeit two against Lincoln Red Imps, one at the weekend. Uh, it's a hard one for Rangers because if Kamar Roof's out injured, then you're missing your number one centre forward. Uh, Cedric Itten hasn't hit the ground running so 
are you going to rely and trust on him to win your title if Kamar Roof is out longer? Big decisions to be made at Ibrox. So much to talk about. What about the match of the weekend? The two biggest ones. Talk about Celtic in a moment. Um, Scott Brown saying we're not in top gear yet. And for Rangers, they weren't in top gear on Sunday. It, it was a good football match to watch. Yeah. Listen, great game. You know, I, I, I've had a look at the fixtures. 19 goals over six games. That tells me we're starting to get back to a little bit of normality in football. Teams are starting to open up. The fitness is coming. The sharpness is coming. The opening three or four weeks of the season, there was a lot of 1-0s and games were tight and games were compact. Starting to open up. We're starting to see it. I'm delighted Hibs had a goal because sometimes when the old firm come and you're having a good season, you can set off and, 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 and try and you know have a little bit of fear about you, but they really got after Rangers, Rangers got after them, good game, Steven Gerrard will be disappointed conceding two goals from cross balls, when they've defended so well at the early part of the season, to lose two goals from, from cross balls will disappoint them, but Hibs look like they're going to be in for a good season, You know, it, it is going to be based on can Rangers and Celtic go away from home and win games all the time, I think they look so strong at home, I'd be very surprised if anybody gets anything out with Rangers and Celtic at Ibrox or Parkhead, I think the other teams are not just strong enough, but certainly in your home patch, that's where you can have a go. Who impressed you most for Rangers at the weekend? Um, I think Morelos because of his attitude. Mm -hmm. Just looked different, didn't he? He did. He looked hungry again. He'd got us two goals on Thursday night, Paul, and sometimes that's when you judge a player. He's still got that hunger for goals. And I think the dilemma Rangers had a few weeks ago when they left him out against Kilmarnock, if they want to sell him and get top dollar, he has to be playing in your team. But likewise, if Morelos wants to get a move and get top dollar, he's got to be playing and scoring. So it's getting that marriage right so it works. But then once he starts scoring goals again, you think, in fact, we wouldn't mind keeping him. So it, you're kind of caught in between. Whether it's a case of they've spent the money and Cedric gets in and they've brought in uh, Hadji in the summer and they've brought in Kamar Roof, has that money already been spent for what they were expecting for Alfredo Morelos. Time will tell. But if a big offer comes in, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Rangers fans, give us uh, your call now. The numbers again? 0808 17 17 700 or you drop us a wee message at Go Football Show. And your messages and uh, questions for Kenny Dougleish as well? Yeah, don't forget those. You can drop us a text 87474. Put go at the start of your message and yeah, send us anything you fancy. And he's up for talking about his Liverpool days, Scotland, mm-hmm. his days at Celtic. Uh, obviously, he's, uh, I think, close to Stephen Gerrard as well. It's fascinating. What a time <laughs> to speak to Sir Kenny Dougleish here on Go Radio. We're absolutely delighted. We'll be with uh, him in about six or seven minutes with Kenny. So what about Celtic? He's old club at the weekend then. Uh, another win, as we mentioned, Scott Brown saying we're not at our best yet is what he was saying. What did you think about that? A lot of pressure for Celtic, but 3-2. Well, yeah, I think they were probably better than 3-2. But it's just a fact that when Livingston get it back with, what, eight, t- about 10 minutes to go, they get back to 3-2. Suddenly, it creates that little bit of doubt. And any time you play against the old firm... That's what you want to do. You want to try and put a little bit of doubt into their mind. You want to try and make it a little bit uncomfortable for them. If you can get into the last 10 minutes and there's only a goal in it, it's amazing sometimes how the psyche can change and the narrative can change for them. So that's what Livingston done. I mean, the boy Serrano scored a wonderful goal. Suddenly it opens up. But Celtic manage games well enough. You know, they're experienced enough. Neil will think, you know, Scott Brown said, are they at their best? Probably not. But sometimes you have a change of system and you're trying to get the personnel right to fit into that system. Odson Edward didn't play. Uh, Ayeti came on and got, got a great goal Klamala played so he's still trying to get those partnerships right trying to work out who's best as a right wing back who's best as a left wing back what's his best three centre halves but if you can still win games and still not have those problems solved it means you're in a good place and when it does click you will eventually you know I watched them against Ross County last week when they were very clinical they probably give up too many chances in the first half but when that team clicks and that system clicks someone is going to take a, a tough afternoon 
fascinating that Dermot Desmond, the major shareholder, had been saying to Neil Lennon after the Ross County game that he wasn't that impressed by the performance despite the five goals. Well, I think it's because they give up so many chances in the yeah. first half that Ross County, again, at 2-0, they had two or three really good chances. And you make that 2-1 at any stage, it's back to that taking Rangers or Celtic into that uncomfortable environment where you maybe have them on the back foot and you can maybe unease them a little bit, make it un, you know a bit more nervous for them. Ross County couldn't do it. Livingston done it on Saturday. You know, I think they had a chance later on to get a draw, but you know, certainly it's it's that pushing and probing and trying to trying to make it different for them. What are you making of a Yeti? So you're a really accomplished defender with Motherwell, fifty four caps with <laughs> you're Northern very Ireland. Kind, you're very kind. I've been called worse, hey, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you, what what would you say about coming up against a Yeti? Well. The thing that stands out is he's a goal scorer. You know, people talked about Celtic missing Lee Griffiths because he missed that instinctive striker, that striker who you think, even if he's quiet in the game, something can arrive and he can get a goal. A Yeti seems to be filling that void. I'd watched a bit of him before and I thought he would be more of a, a hold-up player, bringing others into play, wanting to kind of be the, the foil for Edson, uh, for Edson Edward or, or Clamalla beside him. But he seems to be the one that's kind of going quiet in games and getting his goals. Is he up to full speed? No, he's not. But again, if you can score goals and get the number of goals he's getting and you're not up to speed, when he does get up to speed, he's going to carry an even bigger threat. Your old team certainly got up to speed at yeah. the weekend. You know, I just switched it on. I'd been out and I heard it and there were three up early yeah. on and that's how it stayed. What do you think happened then? Well, Stephen said clinical. Yep. He said we've probably played better uh, in, in other games earlier in the season. They've kept the ball better. Their patterns have been better. They've, they've broke their ranks better but they haven't scored goals and haven't won enough games. And it was said to you earlier on, it takes four or five games sometimes to get that final part of your game, that clinical side of your game to go and put teams to bed. Uh, I mean, most Motherwell fans, it's interesting you watch Twitter when these things are going on mm. and, and people were talking about Motherwell were 3-0 up and the fans were hoping they would get a point. That's just the mentality of Motherwell fans sometimes. The nervousness that it brings, of course, uh, against Coleraine on Thursday night, they were 2-0 up, come back to 2-2, won a penalty kick. So when you get the 3-0, it's never easier. You can never relax as a Motherwell fan. But I, th I thought they managed the game ever so well and it puts them in good form. I think it's four wins out of five, mm -hmm. heading to Israel on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. So another real chance to get through in the Europa League and then have a home game uh, at Fir Park in the next round for the playoffs would be a wonderful achievement. It's great to see the Scottish teams uh, all in Europe at the moment. Yeah, we'll uh, preview those games a bit, probably in the second hour. Yeah, Riga against Celtic at 6 so when we're on air on Thursday we'll bring you up to date then Hapoel Bersheva 6.30 uh, against Motherwell in Israel uh, Willem Tway against Rangers in Holland obviously and Sporting Lisbon against Aberdeen uh, at 8 o'clock kickoff for those two it's absolutely brilliant because often as you know we've been this time of the year you know late September and uh, it, it's over in Europe for and we're the, struggling yeah. exactly so it, it's good to see all four still involved they will all think they've got a chance I know Sporting Club of Lisbon have got six or seven players out through quarantine from coronavirus. Yeah, including their manager including at the moment. Including their manager and assistant yeah. manager. So that might just give them a little ray of hope. That result for Aberdeen at the, uh, at the weekend against Motherwell as well, Paul, sometimes you, you get into that way, you start winning games, you know, you kind of relax a little bit, you become a wee bit complacent. That result may have just turned their heads a little bit, may have got them back in focus. Huge game for them. I'd expect Rangers and Celtic both to go through. Motherwell and Aberdeen, certainly a bit of work to do. Kenny Dalglish is coming soon on Glasgow Zone. It's the Go Radio Football Show. How often do you yeah. say that? Yeah, it's great. It's coming soon. <laughs> I was going to say to you, what's your memory then of a, an early goal of Kenny Dalglish? Well, the one that stands out for me was uh, when he scored the winning goal at Stamford Bridge in 1986. I just had a look for it coming yeah. in. I couldn't, but he chested it and volleyed it in at Stamford Bridge. Player manager scores a winning goal to win the title. 
can't be any better than that, can it? Can we put you on the spot while while he's on the line? Who are you going for for the title? So it's Liverpool's in 2020. Oof. Who's going to win it in 2021? Well, well, I watched Manchester City last night and, yeah. and they're so good. They've got so many good players. They will be hungry. Pep Guardiola won't like going a season without winning a league title. He's used to winning league titles mm-hmm. and when he doesn't win it, they always bounce back the next season. Liverpool have to maintain what they've got, keep pushing on, but, you know, we, I think for years people have criticised Scottish football for it being a two-horse race. I think it's a two-horse race in England as well this time round. Okay, Ali, you were going for Chelsea, but uh, Liverpool <laughs> showed them the way last night. But in all fairness, you didn't actually see who they were playing. You just said Man City or, or Chelsea, yeah, and I just thought, oh, Chelsea. I wasn't <laughs> even up to date with who was playing at the weekend. It's in the record book. That's for the <laughs> title. A long, long way to go. Okay, yeah. give us your calls now. 0808 17 17 700. Coming up next, it's Kenny Dalglish. The Goal Radio Football Show. Let's go. Until seven tonight, Paul Cooney here with Ali Defoy and Stephen Cragen, the former Northern Ireland international player. 54 caps there for the former Motherwell star too. And now, the moment we've been building up to over the last few minutes, uh, I wonder if he was listening to the traffic news in Dumbreck Road. He knows it well. And the Burnside Hotel as well. I'm delighted to welcome to the programme is Sir Kenny Dugleish. Kenny, good evening. How are you doing, Paul? I was uh, getting a wee bit homesick there. <laughs> I Bob thought... Hill Hotel in Dumbreck Road. I thought you would be uh, recognised. You don't get this in talk sport, do you? <laughs> no, no, but uh, last night was in Dumbreck Road. I don't think the motorway was there. No, do you know, I looked at the traffic and I said to Ali, M77, that's before the time when you were here, obviously 77 when you left. It's great to hear you on Glasgow's own station on uh, Go Radio. Uh, Kenny, uh, it's what a year 2020 is and people talking about COVID but for and that's so important but for Liverpool fans and people all over the world it's the year that the title came home after 30 years how did you feel that night June the 25th when the Chelsea result against Man City meant that Liverpool finally had the title yeah although it was uh, Chelsea's result that finally resulted in Liverpool winning the league. It was what Liverpool had done throughout the rest of the league that justified them winning it. They'd had a fantastic season. And people tend to the year before, they were only a point behind Man City as well, with about 96 points or something. Yeah. So, they, apart from that, they, then, they won the Champions League. They won the World Club Championship. Yeah. Um, so, it wasn't just a... This is just a flash in the pan. They, they, they've been consistent for for a long time. It's, it's sure been clubs come in over the five years. They've got better and better every year. Yeah. And last year was something that they fully deserved. They were a great entertainment, great to watch. Uh, and unfortunately, the way the world went, coronavirus dictated rightly so that there was no fans in at the ground, uh, and there wasn't a great many people there to see it. But when they do hold the party. Uh, and the tour in the city. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be plenty of fans there then, yeah. but it was thoroughly deserved, and as I say, I wouldn't be surprised if they went the whole way again this year. Yeah. I was lucky enough to be there, Kenny, at Anfield, 2nd of January, the match against Sheffield United, and I heard a few of the fans starting to sing, you really must believe us, we're going to win the league. When did you think this is definitely going to happen? Because you were unassailable in, in the early part of this year. They were... <coughs> I think they were. They looked very comfortable. Yeah. The the latter part of the the previous year when they were coming towards January, they were they were very very comfortable in the games they played and even games when even you remember the game at Villa they were 
one nil down with a yep. few minutes to go and they win two one. I mean games like that, they're the things that really spur you on and incentivise you to win the league if you need any incentive. But for them that was that just told you something about their character. Mm-hmm. How they might be down but they're not out until like, the whistle goes and they just they just thoroughly deserved it. They were they were the best team uh in the league and the games against Man City are fantastic. And I know City battered us uh, after we'd won the league, but um, they're a great side as well. Yeah. This year, obviously, Liverpool had, a, had the edge on them, and mm-hmm. the year before it was City. So this is a this is a playoff year, and we'll see what happens. But as I say, they got a good start last night. Man City as well, yep. winning at Wolves. Um, but they've both got it all on. They're both teams that. The Premier League should be proud of saying that they're representing. Yeah, it's phenomenal. How did it feel then the night? It was very different because it was the players there, there weren't the fans that would have been. But when you handed over the trophy to the team, to Jordan Henderson, what was that moment like for you, Kenny? Because you've done everything in the game. How did you feel? No, it was... Uh, for me, it was a fantastic... Um, opportunity, no opportunity, a, a fantastic evening for myself to be asked to go along and present the trophy to the lads um, and it was all laid about by the club in the, the Premier League so it's nice uh, it's nice when you can do that but it's even better when you're on the other end of it receiving it mm-hmm. and unfortunately with the mask on people wouldn't know if you were laughing or, <laughs> or grinding or what yeah. so for me it was uh it was it was great. It was great for me to go there and do it. I was very proud to do it. It was uh, very humbling, and it was, as I say, for people to actually to think that you're fit enough to go and do that is a wee bit embarrassing, really. But I was never going to say no, so we went along. And by the way, that was a great game that night as well. Mm-hmm. I was watching the documentary about the 30-year wait and I loved a bit of you, Kenny, when you were playing at the time. And they were saying about Bob, the late, great Bob Paisley and there was a, a commentator saying, yeah, he's difficult to understand, isn't he? And you said to the reporter, oh, yeah. you remember, you went, pardon, what? <laughs> that was Alan Parry. Oh, was that Alan Parry? Right, yeah. Right. That was funny, though. Because the manager now, Jurgen Klopp, you touched on this for five years ago, and you're right, they came close under ben- Brendan Rodgers, so close. I mean, in those years, you're right, 10 trophies, actually, um, and the Champions League will come to it in a moment, just, uh, you know, in 2019. But Jurgen Klopp, what a difference he's made. What, what is it about him, would you say, given that you know him so well? We just, we see him on the television. No, obviously, he knows a great deal about football, but... It's one thing having the knowledge and intelligence to be involved in good good football tactics or management. But it's all about people as well. He's got to, you've got to treat people right to get the best out of them. And he certainly knows how to do that. He's, he's very, very humble. He's, he, everybody that's, that's at the training ground, irrespective of what position you hold there, whether you're on the front, you get a glance on the phone, you are part and parcel of the team. Everything there's a there's a celebration on a party. He makes sure everybody healthy as invited out to that party. It's just bringing everybody together. Uh, it's not about Jurgen Klopp. Mm-hmm. It's about everybody, and he realises the importance that everybody gets to the football club and hides for the football club. And if you do that and pay people respect, you get everything that they have to give you. You get it back off them. 
and I think that's the greatest thing that he has, apart from his brilliant knowledge of football. Yeah. I see you having a bit of a, a bit of banter at the moment with a great young Scottish talent, Andy Robertson, Scotland captain and uh, the Liverpool fullback. But uh, uh, we're enjoying that as well on Twitter with you and him about his new book. Yeah, but it would be helpful if I knew how to work Twitter. <laughs> I sent it out about three times and never knew what I was doing. It kept saying it's no gone, so I just kept pressing the button. Well, Stephen Craken um, managed to see it, and Stephen, you enjoyed that as well. Yeah, I did. Listen, I just think it yeah. shows the respect that Andy Robertson has for yourself, Kenny, and the relationship the two of you have. You know, he's the only Scottish player at Liverpool at the minute. It must be great for you watching, you know, one of your own effectively shining and winning trophies and being part of this, you know, wonderful success. There was another boy there who came to Falkirk, Tony Gallagher. So he's no alone. Uh, Tony's left back, or he's been playing left back. I don't know. I don't know if he moved on during the summer. I don't know. I was away, but Tony Gallagher was there as well. But Robbo, Robbo's been fantastic since he came in, and it's a great illustration to people that you're never done till you finish. And he could quite easily have down tools when they get released to Celtic or end up Queen Park. And, and United even when he went to Hull to get relegated so he kept his uh, he kept his, his, his mind right and he kept wanting to go on and be a footballer and he's got his reward and look how he's, he's achieved that and it's fantastic to see uh, somebody's humble as him to be there or thereabouts and somebody's appreciative as well and I think he's a great example to other people that maybe find themselves feeling a wee bit sorry for yourself you can be disappointed, but it doesn't stop you trying as best you possibly can. And like everybody else, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. You need a bit of luck to move forward. And Andy got that wee bit of luck, but he certainly grabs, grasped it with two hands. And the book, it's only a, it's only a wee bit parter, isn't it? It's great. Between it's Glasgow. Him and myself. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have yeah. thought he'd have bought a table before legs. I don't know what he'd have to underneath it for. Have a look at his Twitter. That's Sir Kenny Douglas. Robbo, thanks for the book. I'm sure it will be great sedative. <laughs> but that, that's that's the Glasgow banter. There's plenty of banter this season here, Kenny. So your old club, Celtic, against uh, Stephen Gerrard's Rangers. And obviously Celtic going for uh, ten in a row, which uh, nobody managed to do, not even in the days with the, the late, great Jock Steen. It's got to be some season here. Yeah, I... Um... And I think Rangers have got stronger over the seasons uh, since Stephen's been there. They've, uh, they've supported Stephen. He's gone out and he's invested money in, in a lot of players. He's brought a few in. Uh, the ones that he's not been happy with, I think they're starting to move them out now. But they've certainly given them support. And I think Stephen's uh, reacted to that and responded to that by making them a lot stronger. I mean, last year they had, in the cup final, the... Uh, I think they were definitely unlucky not to beat Celtic. And yeah. you consider that, I mean, Morelis misses the penalty and Julian scores way ahead of it. If it had been a nine, they'd have been ruled out, maybe. But it just tells you, you you've got your disappointment. You can't, you can't rest on that. You've just got to get it next week, roll your sleeves up and try again. And they're getting closer and closer uh, to competing more, more closely with, with Celtic. But They've got it all on to do because Celtic are fantastic. And you, I mean, they had a change of manager. Lenny came in, did a fantastic job the second time around, carried it on, and they're gone for what another three trophies for last year. They're still playing last year's yep. cup ties. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Lenny's done brilliantly for a minute. They, they 
unlucky to get knocked out the cup this year, the European Champions League, but the year before they had a great run. So both of them have, have represented Scotland well in the, in the European trophies last year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they can do the same this year. Kenny, you've always defended Scottish football. You know, it comes under attack from all angles about this, the standard and whatever have you, but you only have to look at Liverpool and you see Andy Robertson and Virgil van Dijk and you see how Scottish football has played such a big um, part of their career moving forward. So it's, sometimes it's a little bit unfair on Scottish football, isn't it? Yeah, but it's always unfair, Stephen. If you look, there's two, there's two club sides that get most of the publicity, Celtic and Rangers. One are going to be doing better than the other. So the one that's not doing so well is going to get crucified. And when it goes into the international break, the international team gets battered. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get criticised for winning 2 1 away in Czech Republic. I can't see what's wrong with that. It doesn't matter that they had all the changes they had to make. When we win a game in international football away from home, we've got to enjoy it. Yeah, but no, we're no fantastic. Uh, side, but we've got some players in there that are, that are good, and the, the more players we get representing the clubs in Premier League football, or damn well with Celtic and Rangers or the Scottish clubs in the European competitions, the stronger the national side's going to be. So it's no pleasant to watch because they want they want success. But in this day and age, if you want an answer to something, you just press your phone and you get it. Well, it doesn't happen like that in football, and I know. Maybe saying you've got to be patient. It's been been very patient over the the last years, like since 1990, since we qualified for a, a knockout stage of the competition. But I think they've got better players now than what they've had for a good while. Yep. And I think we should... All right, we can't say it's good when it's not that good, but I think we should be certainly encouraging them. And as long as they give their best and try their best, I think that um, I think that is, is all we can expect from them. Although well, we'd love them, and they would love to be more successful as well. We've got I mean, two or three, yes. Rob will get Rob will get slaughtered for the performance in Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it really. Kenny, before you go, we've got a couple of quick fire questions where you can take your time. Uh, Cy Ferry, uh, excellent young player, 32 years old, the Peterhead player coach. Cy's <laughs> asking, who's the best player you've managed? Best, the best player. I don't know. You've managed. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best player you've managed? Uh-huh. Um, or, would, or who've you've come up against? Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of players who, who have managed that have been fantastic. But everybody that, that if, as long as somebody tries their best for you, that's good enough for me. Yeah. And if they're not as good as somebody else on the team, well, that's no, that's not their problem, mm-hmm. is it? Yeah. That's my problem. So as long as you're honest, you give your best you try your best, then I think you'll get a, a, a livelihood in football. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm not worried about who's best. I'm just worried about who wins. And you never win a, a, an event with one player. Yeah. He might make a greater contribution than others. But if you've got a team where the guy who is the best player can't defend, then you need defenders. Mm-hmm. And the defenders might not be as good as the guy that's scoring the goals. So everybody chips in. Everybody deserves the accolade when you win something. And there'll always be some get a little bit more than others. But for me, it's it's a, it's a team game. And everybody makes a contribution. If you don't make a contribution, you're not going to be there. Ken, you were a player manager. Of course, you scored a winning goal mm. in 1986 down at Stamford Bridge. But has the game moved on that much 
that someone couldn't do both jobs in this day and age in football, play and manage the same club? I don't know. I mean, I don't know why I was asked to be manager in the first place, but I thought I was playing okay. <laughs> I was still in the playing contract. But obviously, the, the people upstairs must have thought otherwise. No, I think oh, there's a lot, a greater demand now uh, in the manager's time. Uh, no, knowing the preparation for games, but in the, with the media. Uh, and the media is the ones that's elevated the Premier League to, to the high status that it has in, in the world. So you, you're, the time is never your own in management at the moment. Whereas we had, we had a lot of time. I mean, but when I went in as manager, Bob Paisley came back to sit upstairs and anything that that I needed, I could pop up and see him. We still had the... The Ronnie Moran and Roy Evans in the boot room. The boot room, yeah. The best administrator in, in football in Peter Robinson. Mm-hmm. And there was an old guy that set up the first youth academy at, at Liverpool called Tom Saunders, who I used to, I put a desk in my office so he could sit in there with me yeah. uh, because he was hugely intelligent and wily and coy. And for me, that suited me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was bulletproof. I had plenty of people around about us. All he needed to do was get a couple of results on the pitch. Unfortunately, we did that. But no, we took a great deal of help from the people round about us. Nowadays, I think it would be more difficult for them to give up their time and at the same time keep your mind and thoughts on the game that you've got to play in the, uh, at the weekend. And you don't even know what day you're going to play now. <laughs> yep. They're all over the place. But uh, no, it was, it was a huge honour to be asked. Uh, I can't. I couldn't work out quite what the <laughs> what the thinking the was. was yeah. but, well, it uh, worked anyway. Did you won plenty of trophies. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was the boys just to get me at the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> Time for you to to move upstairs. So, final before you go. What about the signing of Thiago? We touched on this year. It's going to be some season. You know, you mentioned Man City. Uh, it's not often you look and you see Everton up at the top as well. I know we're really uh, early in the season, but good news on Merseyside. What about Thiago, Kenny? How much are you looking forward to seeing him? Well, seemingly he's broke a record already. He's 75 uh, passes that, 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 read that were yeah. intercepted or anything. Yeah. And that was only 45 Short minutes. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So, geez, that gives us something to lick my lips about. Yeah. But he looks a fantastic footballer. And I think he'll be perfect addition to the squad. Uh, he might not play all of the games. I think there'll be games when Jürgen will identify that he's definitely the one that's to sit in the holding position. But you've got Jordan Henderson who's a captain that also plays in there. So maybe between the two of them, and it looks like Fabinho's going to get into centre-back. He was brilliant at the weekend there against Chelsea, sitting in there and he never gave Werner a kick. Um, so, But I'm looking forward to seeing Thiago, so Thiago play. He looks, he looks special. Yeah. He looks as if he's got a lot of time in the ball and he sees a pass which... And he's got a very bad habit. He keeps passing to a team in the same colour as strip as him. This might catch on. Yeah. And Kenny, we all hope the COVID thing, it's not going to go away quickly. There's new restrictions today. But uh, like everyone else, I'm sure you can't wait to get the fans back in at Anfield and at all the grounds around the country. We need the fans. Yeah, it is, it is frustrating for, for everybody. But you can't blame the people that have to make the decisions. I mean, they're yeah. damned if you do and damned if you don't, aren't yeah. they? They can't do anything right for doing wrong, and 
everything you do is wrong. But if you if if you're going to be a if you want to be fit and healthy, then we need the people that are, that are abusing it. I mean, you can't stop people picking it up, but you can stop people making it difficult or easy for 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 the virus to be passed on. We've all got to get ourselves and pay a bit of uh, penance for for the 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 virus because it's been it's horrendous and they don't even know what it's all about. And all right, depending on the hopes on getting a a virus, which I hope that'll be, be helpful. But they're going into a bad time of the year as well when it's going to be the flu. So they had to do something really drastic to to try and prevent an upsurge in what we had before. And they get, they get slaughtered the last time for not doing enough. Now when they do this, they say it's too much. Yep. And it is hard. It's hard on everybody. I mean, we went to Spain, came back and had to, uh, what is it? Isolate. And yep. for two yep. weeks. Well, we hope you and Marina and the family all stay well and uh, hope to see you back here playing golf soon. Final, final question, Kenny. Who's oh, your... I can play golf, that's all right. I, I know, yeah, but back in Scotland. <laughs> so who's your favourite coach of all time? Is it Butch Harmon or Stevie Bree at Cathkin Brace? <laughs> well... Uh... I don't remember Steve again. He gave me some. He gave me some. Uh, he gave me some instructions, Stephen. He did. He claims he, he did. That you take. He says you should take and cut the shafts down about a couple of inches. <laughs> he says it won't help you, but it'll fit in the bin easier. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Kenny Douglas, thanks very much for joining us in the Go Radio Football no Show, problem. Kenny. That's been a pleasure. Thanks you very much. All the very best. Pleasure. Good luck, lads. Cheers. Thank you, Kenny Douglas, joining us live there. Uh, and the message as well, Stephen, he's saying in Ali, um, we should cheer up a bit about the Scottish national football team. More about that coming after this. Let's go! Paul Cooney, Ali Defoy and Stephen Cragen with you till seven. We've just heard from Sir Kenny Dalgleish. What did you think about what Kenny was saying? We're struck by the fact he's saying the national team, we need to cheer up a wee bit. Yeah, it's... They're very harsh in the national team, I think, yeah. over here. Listen, Northern Ireland had it for years probably before I started playing and whatever have you they were very critical of the team but once you start building success I think it's four or five games unbeaten if a team could qualify for a major championship that just suddenly lifts a burden I've spoken about the burden before Paul and it's just getting re- you're just releasing that allowing the players to be a bit more free I think they feel the tension and the anxiety of having to get the country to a major championship again if they could go over that hurdle I just think it would open up so many doors people play with a lot more freedom Coming up in the next hour, we're going to hear from two major names in tennis, Gordon Reed, who is the wheelchair double champion from the US Open. He's Paralympic champion as well. And Judy Murray will be joining us. So that's uh, some good banter and some good chat about what's happening with sport throughout the country and with tennis. And also the two of them support Gordon's Rangers and Judy is Hibs, the big match from the weekend. And the Scottish national boss, Shelley Kerr, will be joining us too. Give us your calls. And Ali, the numbers and uh, all the socials. Yeah, all the details. Give us a buzz. 0808 17 17 700. You can go, drop us a wee text. It's 7474. Put go at the start of your message and it's just your normal network rate on that or you can get in touch on the socials at Go Football Show. Our DMs are open. Thanks very much, Ali. Well, we were looking at the weekend there with Stephen Craig and Celtic winning 3-2. Rangers drawing two each and uh, Motherwell, what a win for them at Aberdeen. I wonder how that'll affect Aberdeen just going in to the match against Sporting Lisbon. Mm. Well, sometimes when you 
when you're winning games, I was listening to a podcast today, and it was actually with Johnny Wilkinson. He was saying that you know when you when you're winning games, and you're being successful. He just feels, or he's felt throughout his career, sometimes you can take your eye off the ball. You turn up and expect to win games. And sometimes that little bit of a jolt or that disappointment, Paul, suddenly puts your focus back on the game again. So, I mean, Derek would, of course, ideally like to have beaten Motherwell on Sunday, but it may just have refocused his players for Thursday night. It's a huge game for them going to the Sporting Club of Lisbon. Um, and if they can get through that tie, I think they're at home in the next one, if I'm right. Yeah, and it's yeah. nine players that are out of the Sporting nine Lisbon. Players. Yeah, and their managers not, decided not to attend. Yeah, you know, so that should do them a world of good. Let's take a call now. Thanks for calling in, everyone. Darren, a Celtic fan, is on the line. Darren, good evening. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, sorry to keep you waiting there. Was it Kenny Dalglish holding you up? <laughs> uh, listen, you, you didn't mind waiting for, uh, for, the, for King Kenny, do you? <laughs> Memories of Kenny, what would you say? Unfortunately, I, I, I didn't mean to make him uh, yeah. feel old, but it was a wee, just a couple of years before my time. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's in your mind then, Darren? I'm just wondering, what do you think the the uh, the players will, will be thinking about the the no fans for the old firm game? Obviously, they're experienced it now with other games, but surely it, it's a bigger impact with the with it being the the, uh, the the derby. Do you think it will have a, a massive impact, or will they just get on with it? Well, I just think players have to get on with it. You know, they've adapted so well so far I think the new players that have come in for both clubs will be thinking you know they've joined Glasgow Rangers or Glasgow Celtic for the derby for the atmosphere there's no doubt it's world renowned for what it's all about so it will certainly be surreal but at the end of the day both managers and I'm guessing the message from both managers will be it's about three points it's about trying to get the win is the most important thing Um, if it means Rangers it's probably more even for them because they don't have to play against the intimidating atmosphere at Celtic Park. Certainly Stephen Gerrard will hope his players are up for it, which they will be. So um, I think the first five or ten minutes will tell us a lot. I still imagine the tempo will be high. There'll still be the needle between the players. They'll know it's it's either one or the other for the title. So I think it still has its edge. I think we'll just miss the colour and the atmosphere and the, the whole build-up to it. It'll be interesting to see how they market the game building up to it when they know there's no fans going to be there. So it's going to be different. But ultimately, when it boils down to it, it's three points and it's just another game. That's how the manager will try and get it across to the players, I'd imagine. How do you see it, Darren? Well, I think it's going to be a bit of a leveller, to be honest. After the last few years with the, the away support being reduced in both stadiums, I think it, it could be a, a massive difference. I think there's been a, a bit of an um, advantage with, with the less away support uh, in the stadium. So I think it might be a... A good chance to see them just sort of eleven v eleven rather than having the sort of the twelfth man, as it were. It'll be interesting actually because sometimes when you're at the game pitch side and there's no fans, you can hear players talking to each other. You can hear coaches, you know, coaching in, in such an intense environment like an old firm game. You don't normally get that. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any running battles, any kind of needle between players, any needle between benches. I'm sure that's something that a lot of the people in the media side who'll be sitting behind would want to know what's going to happen. Darren, you'll be looking forward to seeing Edward back fully fit. Well, I, I don't know. If, um, I'll, I'll be yet. He keeps on the form he's going, and we might not need him. But nah, nah, <laughs> nah de- definitely. <laughs> Once we get, you're getting carried away. No crowd. Now you don't want Edward to play, Dan. You're getting carried away there. Maybe you saw that interesting penalty runoff he did the other day. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, that's it. I have, I've probably had too many smarties today. I'll calm myself a bit. Then. Nice. Yeah, but yeah. no, I'm looking forward to getting them back in the, the starting lineup. Hopefully, fit for Thursday. 
um, and then the Hibs uh, on, on Sunday. Yeah, Ayeti, um, we talked about him in the, at the start of the programme, Darren. You've been impressed by him and you wonder how good he can be when he's fully fit and, you know, fully match fit. Ah, he, he's looked good. Um, again, there is sometimes uh, that you just sort of notice that he hasn't played football for for a good few months. But uh, if, if he's doing that when he's when he's sort of off off the boil or or not quite a hundred percent, then got to got to look forward to it. I think it's one of those ones where you know you can lose your fitness, but you never lose your instinct as a centre forward. Mm. You know, there's many things I've spoken about in the past. You can coach. You can't coach someone to continue to be in the right position, put the ball in the back of the net. So if you can marry that with the fitness and the sharpness, because he went to West Ham and he didn't play an awful lot. He didn't play an awful lot in pre-season. So he's playing catch-up with Celtic. Although his frustration will be him scoring, but I want to play every minute. Well, Neil has to manage him as best he can, but getting the goal certainly helps, Darren. Who is the hardest man to play against for you? When you're at Motherwell, you're you're a predator. I mean, yeah, Henrik was a predator. (laughs) Henrik was great at, at becoming invisible in the box, I've always said. That you would look for him and you would see him. You then look back towards the ball to see when the cross was coming in, and the minute you'd done that, he disappeared and ended up somewhere else. And you would think, where did he go? And suddenly he's tapping the ball into the back post, and I look off and I can see Terry Butcher, smoke coming out of his ears, his face getting red, and I'm thinking, uh oh, that was my man. And Terry, of course, being the wonderful centre half he was, was very critical of centre halves, and he was all over the top of me. But yeah, Henrik was was sensational, especially when they talk about the double six yard box, the amount of goals that are scored in the double six yard box. Henrik was the master of playing in that area, and Jermaine Defoe is very similar. Mm-hmm. When you look at him now, you know he comes alive in that double six yard box. Yeah. Did a lot of tap ins, and McCoy, of course, was another one who was always in that area of the pitch. But Henrik Larson, phenomenal. That's what I was going to ask you. So you played against Ali? I did. Yeah. Yes, Kilmarnock yes. as well as Rangers. Yeah. Yes, and his, yeah. his latter days at Rangers, and then for a while at Kilmarnock yeah. as well. How good yeah. was he? Well, he was the same. Yeah. You know, naturally his mobility wasn't as good as what it was, but you put him anywhere between the sticks. You know, instinctive ball drop and hitting his instincts to follow things in off the goalkeeper. Anytime someone had a shot, he was on the front foot. He was always aware of what was going on round about, whereas you see a lot of young players nowadays, they're reactive. They wait until the shot hits, the post comes out, and then they try and go. Whereas likes of Ali and, and Jermaine Defoe and, and Henrik Larson, they're always on the move, anticipating, Paul, that ball's going to land for them. And they talk about goals. They love, I mean, Ali used to speak about, he loved the one-yard tappings. Forget the 40 <laughs> yards, you know, one-yard tappings. He said they all count. Yeah. And Darren, before you go then, um, this weekend you're looking forward to the match. And Lee Griffiths, do you think in the coming weeks you're going to see him back? Talking about great strikers, predators. Do you think he'll play again this season? I would like to hope so. I'd like to hope so. There is obviously the argument, you know, you can only give a a boy so many chances. But Mm. it has shown, especially um, last season when him and uh, Edward were playing up front together and the two, the, the, the pairing and the... The, the partnership they had was phenomenal and played some of our, our best football and probably up until you know the, the weekend there we've probably not seen Celtic play nope. just as well as that and, until then albeit uh, it was still a bit uh, rusty at the weekend Well some great points thanks very much Darren we're back with uh, Judy Murray and Gordon Reid after this The Goal Radio Football Show Thanks for tuning in to the Go Radio Football Show and the numbers to call Ali, Stephen and myself, Paul Cooney. The numbers are... 0808 17 17 700 at Go Football Show. Drop us a text 87474. On the day when... Did I mention, Stephen, that uh, Kenny Douglas was on the show? <laughs> Paul, honestly, you haven't mentioned it for about, for about 30 seconds, which is absolutely That's because he was out of the room. <laughs> I think he was away telling James, our producer, that's what he was doing. <laughs> but yeah, listen, it was great to have him on. I thought he was full of energy, he was full of information. 
you can just tell he still has the passion for Liverpool. You know, that's his club. Celtic is a Scottish club. Liverpool's his, his English club, effectively. They've won the title and he was he was delighted for the players and manager. Great Scots on the show tonight, not least yourselves, but also Shelley Kerr coming up, the Scotland national manager. Uh, Judy Murray joining us in a moment or two. And uh, a young man who's just back from the States. It's Gordon Reid. Along with Alfie Hewitt, he won the men's wheelchair doubles at the US Open at Flushing Meadows. Gordon, congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. It was great that because um, you know a few months ago it looked as though it wasn't going to happen uh, because of COVID and the changes, uh, but you were there. And uh, what was it like then in the in the final against the French second seeds? Yeah, it was good. Uh, it, was a, it was a tight first set. Um, I felt like they came came out trying to throw us off our rhythm and played quite defensive. But uh, after a little bit of a, a shaky start, we we kind of picked the momentum up at the end of the first set, and then. Ran away with it in the second set, really, but it was uh, obviously a strange atmosphere with no fans there, but just great to be a part of it. What's the dynamic like with uh, Alfie Hewitt, uh, your playing partner, because days before you were against each other in the quarterfinal of the singles? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's happened so many times now that we've played each other in the same event and then come together as a team that, you know, we're totally used to and we've, um, we've found, found the right way to, to go about putting it to one side and the singles is done. Um, but no, I mean, Alfie have been in great form together uh, since the sort of summer of last year, and um, you know we were really disappointed when everything started getting cancelled. But obviously the right right decisions. But it's great to be back on court then. So when was your last match, competitive match, before you played at Flushing Meadows? My last one was uh, sort of second week in February. Um, I had a tournament in just down south in Bolton. So yeah, it was over six months between um, New York and the last competitive match that I played. How did lockdown affect? Sorry, it's Stephen Craig in here, Gordon. How did how did lockdown affect your training? Well, I mean, obviously all the tennis courts were completely shut for I don't know, it was nearly three months. Um, so I didn't didn't hit a ball for for that length of time. Um, I just tried to to keep up with my fitness. In the meantime, I. I spent a lot of time in my chair in the Glasgow Parks trying to uh, push up hills and, and get the heart rate going that way. Um, I had a lot of equipment uh, back home as well that I was using to, to do little circuits. and I was stretching loads, trying to keep my mobility up and everything. So I was just trying to find little ways here and there that I could keep going. But it was difficult because more recently I was fluctuated um, really with no end, end goal in sight. So... I was glad when the, the tournament started getting announced back in the calendar. So was that the hard bit, the fact that you had no end goal? Because I know certainly a lot of football players spoke about that over lockdown, that you normally you'd get your summer off, you had six or seven weeks, you know when your return date is, you know when your first game is, where that uncertainty sometimes kind of upsets sports people because they have nothing really to aim for. So it's trying to keep the mind occupied and the body physically in good shape, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. I mean, as tennis players, our season pretty much doesn't stop it's pretty much all year round so um, it was a, a strange feeling not having something to work towards um, and I think that was it yeah like you say that not knowing um, what you're training for and, and when you're going to be able to compete because as athletes you know a lot of us love the training as well but at the end of the day you're, do, you're doing it to compete and, and test yourself on the big competition stage and to not have that driving you on was yeah it was one of the biggest challenges for me it must have been strange without uh, supporters there, but Gordon, you had plenty of supporters watching, not least now Judy Murray, who joins us now. Judy, good evening. Good evening, Paul. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Stuart. 
Hi, Judy. Hi, Judy. Hi, Judy. So, how proud should we be of Gordon Reid, Judy? Oh, yeah, he's um, he's remarkable. Um, he's been around the top end of the Queen game for a long time now. Um, very consistent um, performer you know, in, in all of the major events. And I think that in 2016, when Andy finished the year as world number one in singles and Jamie finished the year world end number one in doubles, Gordon finished the year world end world year-end number one uh, in wheelchair tennis. So we actually had three Scots wow. all ranked number one at, at the end of a year. And it was remarkable that they all did it in the same year. But, yeah, I mean, he's amazing what he does because he's not only a great tennis player, I mean, in terms of hitting the ball and, and tactically, he's he's like a kind of a Rafa. Um, you know, mm. he's, he's lefty, big serve, vicious spin uh, on, on his forehand and... But he also has to negotiate the chair. Um, you're allowed to bounce in wheelchair tennis, which gives you a little bit more time. But I've been in a chair a few times, and of, of course, as a, as a novice, it's difficult anyway. But it's the skill level um, of what he does is mind blowing. Is it even harder? Would you say, Judy? Um... Yeah, it's it's just it's it's different, but mm-hmm. you know the the level of hand-eye coordination, the anticipation, but the way you have to turn turn the chair in order to. I mean, sometimes you kind of almost it's almost like you have to go backwards in order to to go forwards. But I I, I just I, I want to I, I, I go to watch when I'm at the Grand Slams with the boys. I always go out to to see him when when I can. But he. He's. I mean, people should watch more of what he and the other wheelchair players who are at the, the game do because it's it's like a masterclass in uh, coordination skills. Judy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to start employing you to come to the tournaments with me and build my confidence up before each one. Yeah, I'm loving all these compliments. That's me. <laughs> so, Gordon, is it France next for you? Yeah, France next. So uh, I go out to France on Sunday. Um, we've got the tournament, the French Riviera Open, which is down in the south of France at uh, Patrick Mortoglu's Academy, mm. um, which starts next week for us on the clay. And then we go straight up to Paris from there. Um, we start our tournament in Roland Garros in the second week of the competition. So, Judy, he's off to the Riviera first of all, and we're into autumn here at Cromlicks. I mean, not personally, but <laughs> we're here in Scotland with the weather changing. Um, so, for, for Roland Garros, how are you feeling about that, Gordon? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, obviously, the doubles went well um, in, in New York. I'm um, looking forward to having this opportunity next week to have a, a building event, a warm-up event, to, to try and get some more matches under my belt, especially in singles. Um, because, you know, after such a long time off, off the, the competition scene, uh, I definitely felt a little bit rusty there in New York. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling confident. I'm, I'm looking forward to it and uh, just enjoying the fact that we've got this opportunity to compete again. And uh, Ali and Stephen, I was telling them just before we came on that Judy uh, and Gordon are great ambassadors and Judy's a trustee of the Kilt Walk charity, which today announced that this year, despite the fact that we couldn't all walk together in Scotland, in Aberdeen and Glasgow, in Edinburgh and Dundee, but the virtual Kilt Walks and the generosity of people, they raised £2.5 million this year. And the news this morning is that Sir Tom Hunter and the Hunter Foundation has doubled it to wow. £5 million. And Judy, you're involved at the heart of that, along with the Judy Murray Foundation. Uh, it, it's an amazing organisation. Yeah, it, it, it's an incredible um, 
it's an incredible organisation and the Kilt Walks are just a wonderful event to be part of because they're just so inclusive. You know, everybody can jump in because you can, and, and particularly with the virtual Kilt Walks, you know, you can walk, you can run, you can cycle, you can swim, you can wheel, and you add your miles in uh, and it helps to raise funds for whatever Scottish charity you care about, regardless of what size the charity is. And I, I, my charity is is uh, quite a small charity. We try to take tennis into rural and deprived areas of Scotland and we build workforces. So we invest in local people and we empower them and train them to deliver sport. So it's about getting people active and we, we get them active through, through, through tennis. And so when the Dundee and Edinburgh Kilt Works were unable to go ahead in their usual form. Um, you know, the, the organisers of the of the Kilt Walk, of which you are a huge part, Paul, uh, decided to create a virtual uh, Kilt Walk. And um, yeah, and so me and my friends and a lot of the supporters of, of my foundation have, have taken part in, in those because you can do it, you know, across the three days of the event. You, you can do it in your own time and just keep logging your miles. And, you know, in this one, uh, I think the the learnings from the Dundee Kilt Walk were that there were a number of solo walkers who didn't have a team to be part of um, for whatever reason. And uh, you you created or you persuaded me yeah. to get involved in a team challenge where I had a team duty for any solo walkers who wanted to join in. They could they could join in with my team. And, and I challenged Des Clark, a great pal of mine and, and yours, Paul, uh, to, to set up his team and, and we drew in all sorts of people to be part of it and that was a whole lot of fun um, as well so I'm not surprised that it raised a lot of money and the generosity of Sir Tom Hunter just knows no bounds it, it really doesn't so it's a really tough time for small well for all charities but particularly for small charities to stay afloat just now when it's difficult to fundraise with um, all the the curbs on on activity so um you know that that's just a remarkable success and an absolute lifeline i'm sure to many of the smaller charities because gordon we want grassroots sports and tennis in particular now we're talking to grow and it's tough when we have all these restrictions but hopefully it will pass before long and and tennis and all sport young people need activity don't they gordon absolutely yeah and i think you know judy said it really well there uh, you know i'd like to to pass on my Personal congratulations to Sir Tom and uh, all the team yourself, Paul, all the team at um, the Kilt Walk because you know when I was involved in it, um, it, it was really one of the times where I felt most proud to be Scottish and um, you know what what Sir Tom does with, with uh, matching the uh, all the money raised, you know is going to be vital as as Judy said to, to so many uh, charities that are struggling at the moment. So uh, I think we should all celebrate that and. Um, I think it's an amazing thing to be a part of and hopefully it continues uh, getting stronger and stronger in the future. Judy just lost out on the Team Go uh, Challenge and uh, she shouted, you cannot <laughs> I'm be serious. I'm not happy about that, That's right. I'm, not, I'm not a fan of losing. You cannot be serious, she was shouting yeah. to the umpire. Um, so uh, there's a bit of rivalry between you two, though. I mean, this is this is great, but... Uh, so, Gordon, what about Rangers at the weekend? Up against Judy, against uh, Hibbs. Gordon, were you surprised that you dropped points or do you think that's uh, going to Easter Road is maybe not too bad a result? Yeah, it's a tough one um, because I feel like we, we probably deserve to win the game at the weekend. Um, other people with Judy might disagree, but um, no, they look like a really good a good set-up and a good unit this year, Hibbs, so we could look back and, 
in a, in a couple of months and then say maybe that was a good point, a good point earned there. But you know, as a Rangers fan, we were looking to win every game, and I felt like we'd probably created the chances to do that. So yeah, yeah, frustrating. Um, but there's a long, long season to go ahead, so trying to stay positive. Judy, of course, your family's had a long connection with Hibs. I know Andy and Jamie are big Hibs fans. And Andy's doing a little bit of mentoring, isn't he? I know certainly Ryan Porteous, who's been doing ever so well for the first team at the minute, he spoke over the past couple of weeks about Andy just giving tips and you know sharing training ideas, recovery ideas. So that's that's really encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, he um, Andy um, helps uh, Ryan Porteous and Fraser Murray, uh, two of the younger Hibs, Hibs players who are very promising. So yeah, I, mean, I think he's you know at the end of the phone as a an experienced athlete who's operated at the at the top of the game um knows what it like what it's like to get into that kind of performance mentality i suppose and the work hard the day in day out attitude great attitude and hard work that you have to bring in order to get up to the top the studying of the opposition the dealing with injuries and all the rest of it so you know i'm i'm sure he's a a great source of of advice and you know it is a massive massive help to be able to pick up the phone to somebody who actually is a little bit removed but who understands the pressures and the demands of sport at the at the highest level so yeah it's um it was it's great to see uh ryan starting to come through and uh, you know of course for andy it's a it's a link to hibs you know he was a hibs kid when he was between the ages of sort of five and eight, nine, until tennis started to take over a bit on on the weekends. And my dad played for Hibs in the early 1950s. So there's a and there's a long term family connection yeah, yeah. Uh, in there, and it's great to see them doing well. That's great. Ali's got a question for you. We're looking to the future. Ali Defoy. Um, well, I was actually having a look on your socials. Hope you don't mind, Judy. But it was saying you were uh, doing something to do with the driving force, the backstories of the most successful sportswomen. And I was just wondering uh, how that's going. Oh, you've been stalking. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love, I love um, a wee Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. I, I was very, very fortunate to be given an opportunity to get involved with a... It's a new series that will come out on Sky in uh, the second week of November, I think. And it's 12 top British sports women, um, present and past. Uh, and it's really finding their driving forces, the who, the what, um, led them to achieve their great success. So, you know, whether it's family support, which of course is vital to everybody, might have been a teacher at school who spotted the talent and opened a door or, or pointed them in the right direction of a athletic club or a swimming club or so forth. Maybe it was a first coach, maybe it was an agent, maybe it was a best friend, maybe it was a psychologist, all sorts of things. So it's really, you know, all the things they can get to the top, the challenges of staying at the top, um, some of the, the pitfalls, because, you know, it's never smooth, it's never always on the way up, you know, there are always um, curveballs that come that come at you, how you deal with them, and it also, uh, you know, uh, along with that, it allows all of the women to raise awareness of what they achieved, raise awareness of women's sport, but also to raise awareness of some of the issues that need to change to give women a better chance um, at succeeding in, in, in sports. So we're hoping that it's going to do great things for women in sports, sports women, and to raise awareness of um, yeah, some of the things that we're still battling against. 
Judy, that sounds fantastic. Do you know, I cannot wait to watch it. And it kind of leads me on to my question for Gordon. What made you decide to be a tennis player? Was it somebody that you'd seen or was it something that you've just always wanted to do? I was getting a little bit worried there about what you, what you might have dug up from my shoulders. It's <laughs> <laughs> an easy question. Well, I'm going to have a look now then, Gordon. All, just all positive, case. don't worry. <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, you know, I've always been a, a football fan when I was a, a wee boy watching Rangers and uh, a big tennis fan since a young age as well. So, you know, there's been all sorts of people that I've, I've watched that have inspired me. Um, you know, Roger Federer has always been one of the guys that I've loved watching play. Um, and then obviously when, when Andy burst onto the scene, uh, being from Scotland, being from not that far away as a small country from, from where I grew up, um, you know, it's amazing to see him starting to succeed in the, in the world stage. And even till this day, he's, he's still uh, inspiring myself and a, and, a, and a lot of other people in the tennis world. Uh, even, you know, when you go back to his first round at the US Open and it's come back there. Um, you know, it's just amazing to, to see Andy uh, continuing and the way that he came back after his his operation was um, was kind of testament to his character. So hopefully, um, hopefully we'll see him around for a little bit longer. Brilliant, Judy, isn't it? That uh, people pull together and you know the effect that the, your boys have had on sport in Scotland and tennis in particular, but I think everybody. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I'm, I don't think that anybody would ever have imagined Scotland um, world-class tennis players, never mind Wimbledon champions, world number ones, Davis winners, Olympic gold. Yeah. You know, it really, it really captured the imagination, and of course, it's created a lot of interest from people wanting to try the sport, but also a lot of it's created a lot of fans. You know, people who enjoy watching it because they have somebody from their own country to support, and you know, the boys' um, success at the top level. It's been there for a number of years now and people have kind of got used to having one or other of them contending for a, a title at most of the most of the Grand Slams, which, um, which is fantastic. I, I, I don't really feel that Scotland's been able to take advantage of, mm-hmm. you know, the opportunity to really grow the game against that backdrop of interest because we don't have enough tennis courts in public parks anymore. They, Hardly any of our state schools have. They still have tennis courts. They've lost them over the years. And of course, once you lose a big step like that, you have to get it back. And we don't have anywhere near as many indoor courts as we would need to keep people playing all year round. So uh, that disappoints me um, a bit. But the interest level and this, and certainly the the support for um, Jamie and Andy from Scotland has been nothing short of phenomenal and I'm sure you have exactly the same um, Gordon with everything that, that you do everybody knows who you are now because you've been around a long time and you know it's uh, it, 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 it's great but you know now I think what Scotland has to do is you need to start to look at the where's the, where's the next batch coming from because you don't want this to be just a you know a once in a generation achievement and it never happens again you need to build on it you need to build on the legacy uh, of it and, and ensure that um, we've got more great young players coming through at you know at, at the top end of, of the game and of the wheelchair game yeah because we want this golden generation to go on and bring more people in judy thanks very much for joining us gordon special as well that was absolutely brilliant to both of you gordon good luck in france and judy good luck uh, supporting everyone in france next week Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Judy Murray and Gordon Reid on the Go Radio Football Show. Next up, Shelley Kerr. 
The Goal Radio Football Show. Every night, 5 till 7 on the Go Radio Football Show. Tonight with Paul Cooney, Ali Defoy and Stephen Cragen. We had Kenny Dalgleish joined us in the first hour. Gordon Reid and Judy Murray have just been on. And next up, another great Scott. It's the national manager, Shelley Kerr. Shelley, good evening. Good evening, Paul, Stephen, Ali. Hope you're all well. Yeah, we're Good. well. We're safe. Obviously, the COVID news today, and it's uh, in many areas the restrictions are there already. You know, in Scotland, in many of our areas, and ten o'clock at night time is the um, that's when the bars the and curfew, restaurants yeah. will close. Um, there's good news. Celtic Rangers goes ahead on October the seventeenth. There was doubt earlier today that might be off. That game is going ahead, but there'll be no fans. And as we know, Shelley, we just we're all missing the fans. But we need to do the right things and hopefully. Hopefully this will pass. And of course, tonight you would have been playing against Portugal, but that uh, game couldn't go ahead. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been really tough. I mean, international football is either it's further down the pecking order um, in comparison to the domestic game, but it's been hard for us in terms of preparation because. Um, before these games were called off, we were preparing for a double header against Cyprus and Portugal, and now our attentions have to turn to to preparing for a new set of opponents in um, Albania and Finland. But you know, it's just I, I heard Steve Clark speaking um, last month as well, and how important it is just to be playing football and being involved again. So we're very much looking forward to the games and. You know, in a different way, of course, but we're looking forward to them. We've got off to a great start in the campaign, but it seems such a long time ago since we've played a game. Stephen? Yeah, Shelley, it must be difficult because players can go and train at their clubs and they can, you know, fill back in. And uh, But as a manager, an international manager, you can't do that. You don't get that interaction with the players to get coaching and get your points across. So how did you keep yourself busy through lockdown with regards coaching-wise? It's been difficult, Stephen, you know, a lot of podcasts, a lot of webinars, but, but also looking at Y Scout and a lot of footage um, and just trying to prepare as much as possible. And, you know, you get this kind of analogy that we use with international football. We actually only borrow the players, yeah. you know, five, six windows per year. And so it's it's been difficult and it's also hard to engage with the players as well because, you know, the, there's under ownership of the clubs and you know the the majority of them are in a professional environment so um, you can't annoy them too much mm-hmm. because their the, the programmes are devised by their clubs but you know I've touched base with all the players um, you know I've kind of grouped about 30 players just to say hello courtesy call make sure that they're all okay and as I say we're just really looking forward to, to getting back to playing and I had a Zoom meeting with um, the captain vice captain Rachel Corsi and Kim Little last week just outlining, you know, the protocols for when we do meet up because, you know, we all talk about these bubbles that we're creating in a club environment. Well, it's, you know, the protocols for international football is a lot different as well. So um, it's just making sure that everyone is as prepared as possible going into the games. But you're a big target, your overall target. You're at the World Cup 2019, 2021 European Championships. That must be, you know, high up your agenda. Yeah, I mean, the the team qualified in 2017 for the Euro finals over in the Netherlands. And then obviously, you know, the, the World Cup was fantastic for us as a as a group. And, you know, it put women's football in the map in Scotland. And, you know, we want to try and get to another finals. Um, obviously, the postponement and it's now rescheduled to 2022. So, but you've still got to go through that process. And 
I think we're still growing the game in Scotland, so the more success the national team has, the more that you can grow the game, the more you get commercial deals and so on and so on. So um, it's not just the performance arm that I look at, it's, it's the game overall. And I've been involved for such a long time, it's it's been great to see the women's game growing. And, you know, go back to even before... Um, Stephen, the, the game before we left to go to the World Cup, um, I never thought in my lifetime that I would see you know eighteen and a half thousand at Hamden watching the women's team play. And so there's been lots of positives there, but we want to try and build on the momentum already that we've we've created. So I just see when you talk about you know putting women's football on the map, getting to the World Cup. Now, normally when you get that through a sport, you get a spike because everybody wants to play that sport. Has that been maintained since 2019? Has the particip- uh, participation levels remained as high, Shelley, and teams and whatever have you? Of course, lockdown will have changed that, but has the participation been maintained? It did initially, Stephen, but like everything now, we've, you know, there's real apprehension in terms of growing the game because we've had no activity and you know, getting young girls involved in football has been very difficult through COVID. Even our performance programmes have stopped um, throughout COVID. So everything's been affected um, because of the virus. And it's important that, you know, we still try to engage with, with players and, and keep them involved because it's a well-known fact that, you know, girls in sport, there's a huge dropout, especially in the teenage years. So it's something that we'll, we'll certainly work hard to to try and make sure that that doesn't happen. But there was an upsurge um, in terms of the growth of the game post-World Cup, and we need to try and continue that. About half an hour ago, Kenny Dalglish was on. I don't know if you heard him, Shelley, but Kenny was saying that he was surprised and disappointed at the criticism of the the men's national team, you know, winning 2-1 against the Czech Republic, and he felt there was a lot of criticism of players. Um, and he reckoned that we could be more positive about national teams. Do you feel that? Do you, you recognise that comment? Yeah, 100%. It's it's the most difficult job because, you know, and, and the team that criticised, they, they changed, um, played a new formation. And, you know, you, you're literally, if you have a, a double header, for example, you maybe have three training sessions because the players are coming in, they've got to recover, they've usually came off the back of games. So to try and implement things and try and build relationships in international football is very, very tough. Um, so I can totally understand that. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to see that because I'm a national team coach. But but I've been I've been a national team player as well, and I know how difficult it is. And you know, I think that we do need to be positive. Um, you know, long gone are the days where you turn up as a national team and expect to beat another nation, regardless of where they're ranked in the world. There's you know, and talking about Israel, they had some fantastic players, and then you go and play Czech Republic you don't know nothing about the players that are coming in and they're so eager to impress because a lot of them, it's their first cap. So I can totally resonate, you know, with Steve and the, the, the challenges that, that he has. And, and also, Kenny, <laughs> there's no one understands international football any better than Kenny Dalglish. Yeah. Kelly, how do you... Uh, Kelly, Shelley, how, how do you get around those issues with regards to limited time to implement your system and get your style across to the players have you become more used to it because you've done the job a little bit longer yeah I mean we 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 kind of based our, our philosophy on a blueprint and you know within a system that's very flexible and adaptable but we have a, a coaching frame that 
work that we always operate within so that when the players come in, it's easier. So over that three-year period, they get used to the things that we want to try and implement on the pitch. And, you know, albeit it depends on the opponents you're playing, but we have a system that's very flexible and it can change. And the players get used to that now because we've implemented that system of play. And, and I think that's hugely important for international football. If I was obviously the manager at a club, I would do it differently because you have more contact time with the players and you've got them every day. But if you imagine you have five, six windows a year with potentially eight, nine days, it's not a long time. It's probably the equivalent of two weeks club training. Yeah. Good point. Shelley, looking at the Premiership table, if I could for a moment, because uh, I see you popping up uh, quite... You're keeping busy as well with uh, the media, and it it is great. And to get your insight on it, I know you joined us a couple of weeks ago. Top of the table, Rangers on 20, Celtic 19, Hibs on 17, and I know Aberdeen had, uh, well, a a really poor result at the weekend there on 12 points, but two games in hand. It's quite a start to the season, isn't it? It's quite tight at the top. It's been fantastic and you want a competitive environment and, you know, I think it's great that Hibs are challenging. I have to say, for me, the performance of the weekend was Motherwell and I have to be honest, I predicted that I could see a result coming from Motherwell. I did, I did because Motherwell have got great depth in their squad, they've got fantastic players and I think that they were due a result and I thought they would have had a bit of incentive obviously um, after Livingston losing um, although I think that would have been expected I just think that you know Motherwell were due a result and you know, I know they lost Turnbull, but I really like Campbell. I think he's a fantastic player. But for me, that was a, an amazing result. And then you had Kilmanark as well, who, yep. you know, played a long period of the game with 10 players, Brophy getting sent off and had a great result against Hamilton. So it's been fantastic. The game, the Hibs game against Rangers was really entertaining for the neutral. Um, you know, Rangers dominating possession, but Hibs had... You know, three or four really good chances in the game as well and tested Rangers' defence out, which hasn't happened too often this season. So it's been exciting, but we're all missing the supporters there. That's what we love about the game. And, you know, even the managers are supporters at heart as well. So, but it's been exciting. And really, I- really exciting. Yeah. Ali and Stephen and I were talking about that earlier. We're worried about the, you know, the fans not being at the matches and the income for the championship and the first and second division. It's a really trying time, not just in Scotland, but uh, you know that's where we are. Uh, it must be so tough for the fans, for the players, and for the clubs, committees, directors trying to keep this all together. Shelley, it is. It's you know, it's, you can't really look at it. You're looking at everything right now as a business as opposed to football and. It's not what we're used to doing, but you know maybe it's it's now time for you know the owners of the club, the boards, and and so on to look at things in terms of of a proper business and how they can manage and not rely so heavily on the support coming in and and the gate money and that's the hard thing. You know clubs need to be more creative, and I think the support deserve a lot of credit because you know they've bought season tickets without you know with knowing that they're not going to get into watch games anytime soon so you know the supporters should take a hell of a lot of credit for the investment into their clubs and um, because they are the real heartbeat of football um, but it's it is it's certainly trying and testing times for clubs especially in the lower divisions and and the women's game as well you know where you lack a bit of financial support and resource as well so it's not easy 
And just before you go, uh, quick predictions then. It's great to see four Scottish teams in Europe. So Riga against Celtic, six o'clock on Thursday. What do you think? Celtic win. Hapoel Bersheva against Motherwell, 6.30. That's going to be a tough one. Um, I think that will be a tough one. Um, I, I think that... I think it'll be tight, um, but I think it'll be tough for Motherwell to get a result there. Sporting Lisbon against Aberdeen. We all know how tough this is going to be. Um, yeah, What do you think, Shelley? You know, it's a difficult one because Sporting Lisbon are, are without, um, you know, uh, their first, first, virtually their first team and the manager, aren't they? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be hard for them to get a result against Sporting Um I think um, yeah, tough, a tough one. But I'm going to I'm going to see that with a wee bit of luck, maybe Aberdeen can pull through. Oh, good. And Willem Tway against Rangers in Holland. I think Rangers can win. Um, they've done. They've got a great record um, in the Europa League. So I think I think it'll be tough again. Um, but I think they can win. Shelley Kerr, thanks very much for joining Stephen, Ali, myself and all the listeners. And Shelley, stay safe and good luck and we look forward to the matches soon. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Thank Shelley. you. Thanks Cheers, Shelley. Much. Coming up next, a few calls. A Motherwell fan is next on the Go Radio Football Show. Let's go! Paul Cooney with Ali Defoy and Stephen Cragen. 54 caps for Northern Ireland. We've been saying that because we had Scotland's most decorated cap player earlier in the programme, Sir Kenny Dalgleish. Uh, we're taking your calls. We're going to a Motherwell fan in a moment or two. On the day when there are further restrictions COVID-wise and there'll be no fans on the ground, Stephen, for quite some time. But good news, the Old Firm game does go ahead October the 17th. Yeah, well, I think that was one of the concerns that football could be stopped potentially going forward so yes there's no fans huge frustration I think people will just have to bear with it a little bit longer but ultimately our game still continues I think the standards getting better they're more enjoyable to watch there's more goals there's more entertainment but it won't be the same until we get the fans back Thanks to everyone who tunes in, calls in, listens in the podcast, Ali. The numbers are going up and up. Absolutely. You can check us out at Go Football Show on all the socials, especially on the Twitter there. That'll give you all the access to the podcast. But we're on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, all the usuals. You can get us on there or give us a call 0808 17 17 700. Stephen, have you heard of all these things? <laughs> <laughs> Just watching no, your eyes yeah, glaze over. No. I heard you say to Judy Murray, Judy is great on social media. And so yeah. that was no surprise, Ali, when you said it. So Tomorrow night, do you know who's on the programme? It's Rob, Ali and Andy Halliday. It's not been good, interesting to hear Andy. Yeah. Surely he's going to get a club soon. Well, I know. It's, it's, it's someone said over the weekend he was linked with Hearts. That's what we heard, yeah. Potentially yeah. with Hearts. So it just seems that already with the Premiership season underway, with the Championship season due to start in October and the League Cup due to start in October, Andy should have a club, no doubt about it. Do you want to find out the answer? Call in tomorrow night, Stephen Craig. There we go. Okay. There we go. <laughs> 0808 17 17 700. And then on Friday, can you believe it? We're charging towards the weekend. Cy Ferry will be here with Ali and with Rob. And just it's the only way to start the weekend, isn't it? And uh, Barry normally is with us. Barry Ferguson. We heard from Lewis Ferguson last Friday, his nephew. We had Derek on, his brother the week before. So the Ferguson show, Barry will be mm. back with us soon. Thanks to everyone who is tuning in. Next up, we're going to Hugh, a Motherwell fan who's on the line. Hugh, good Good evening. Good evening, Paul. How are you? I w I'm well, thank you. Maybe not as well as you after uh, the weekend result. I like that little pun there, not as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I, he even noticed it. That was <laughs> indirectly as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just here, how are you, Ali? And, uh, obviously, Craig's uh, is one of my 
one of my favourite all time Mullow players actually. Um, That's very kind. <laughs> We're good. So, um, just just a little thing before I go to my point. Yeah. Um, why our, the Mullow supporters actually down to Soccer AM mm. and Aldo Craig's on yeah. obviously yeah. from yeah, yeah. Um, absolute absolute yeah. gentleman of a guy. Uh, known known Aldo for a long time. I actually gave us the strip, the first team player strips to go down to soccer AM with us, and I had Craigsy strip that day. That's was I picked up big Craigs. You didn't happen to score an own goal when you were at it, no. I was going. I was going to say uh, Where are that's you? my next. That, that's my next point, Craigs. I actually scored the first goal into the. Now they they, they have the yep. shots the fans shoot, and <laughs> I was one of the first ones to score. Brilliant. Um, David Toner, David Toner, who you'll know, missed. So, exactly. Yeah, that's well, what you can tell about. I know that the, the other point there that I was going to say to you, Craig, before I got to my win one was um, every game, myself and my partner Leslie always put a bet on Mullow to win 3 2, and Stephen Craig to score the last goal. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I used to always say to the bookie, does own goals count? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Paul, listen, you've scored 23 own goals in your career, somewhere along the line, yeah. it catches up with you. Sure. Uh, but yeah. anyway, um, good to speak to Craig. I mean, I said one of my favourite all time Mullow players still is. Did you hear him speaking earlier? We asked him to, you know, the best players he played against in terms of predators in the box, and he was saying Henrik Larsson, Ali McCoist. Uh, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously those strikers were were major. I don't know how he actually got on with John Hartson. I'm actually playing golf with Hartson next. Ah, week. well, so let's I'll, ask him. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll actually speak to. I'll, I'll speak to Johnny then. Yeah. Um, Stephen, you can feedback. Who was yeah. the best defender he played against? Stephen oh. mentioned Craig's. Well, no, well that, that that probably wouldn't be on the radar for John. But John was different because he was a different type of striker. John was a target man. John loved crosses into the box. I was working with him a couple of weeks ago and I said, John used to love climbing over the top of you. You know that crop when the cross is coming in and you close your shoulders and you don't know where John is behind you. You can almost hear him grunting coming behind you thinking, if I head this ball, he's going to cement me. But if I don't head the ball, Terry Butch is going to cement me. So it's, it's, it's one or the other, unfortunately. But yeah, listen, John was a top class striker as well. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, but obviously my main point was I was on a couple of weeks ago talking about Turnbull obviously moving on um, and he, the guy has definitely deserved his move um, and how I would like to see Polworth back in team because without obviously Turnbull Polworth's going to be the main man he was in there when David was obviously uh, injured and going through his rehabilitation um, and it was great to see David get his, his move over um, but my main point there was and Craig's will obviously back me up here I've says for years since I actually seen Alan Campbell getting into the team and it was actually Aldo that says to me one day, he says watch this young player, he goes he's outstanding and I've, I've watched him ever since all the progress Alan Campbell will be our biggest loss when he moves away from Mullow without a shadow of yeah. doubt now he was up against Lewis Ferguson the weekend Ross McCrory and these guys are getting touted over and here and they're going there, he absolutely bossed them they, they, they didn't did. get a look in and I just think the media over well, the last couple of days or so probably hasn't given Alan Campbell the praise the boy deserves now he goes about his business so quietly and Craig's will know that because obviously yeah. had him in the, in the team that won the cup at Hamden we were there as well uh, obviously with um, Cadden uh, and David in there as well and Jake Hastings things like that so um, I just think that the, the young guy is an outstanding talent yeah. and if he doesn't get called up for the Scotland squad in the next year or two they're missing a trick here yeah. the guy is outstanding well what I can say to you is he may not be appreciated in certain areas outside the football club but I can guarantee inside the manager's office there's no one appreciates or even the coaching room there's nobody appreciates Alan Campbell any more than the manager and the coaching staff and I certainly, after yeah. Sorry for no, no, no. Track, but it's just for Stephen, someone so Stephen young Robinson you have such I... an influence yeah. in the team 
is incredible. You know, just his energy, his work ethic, his desire. We had him on last Tuesday, actually. We had him on the show. He was um, great. Yeah, I was trying to get on, but I was busy working. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I almost embarrassed him a little bit because, I, you know, I'd said he's the best young player with regards attitude that he'd work with, how he wants to live his life, how he wants to train, and he's getting his rewards. He lives his life every day like he wants to be a professional footballer. It means something to him. He wants to be as successful as possible. He's not going to have any regrets. He's getting the best out of himself. There's no limits to what he can do. He's going to push his boundaries all the time. And you're right, I thought on Sunday he was absolutely magnificent. You know, particularly on Thursday night when he got off towards the end of the game uh, in Coleraine, they thought he had a knock and he may be out for a couple of weeks. But no, he dusted himself down, got himself ready. Um, I mean, the only thing about moving up to the Scotland senior squad is it's quite a condensed midfield. You know, when you look at some of the players who are playing in the English Premier League, like Scott McTominay and, and John McGinn, probably more high profile. But certainly Alan will be one on the radar over the next year 18 months I wouldn't be surprised if someone comes and pays good money for him and, and, and just keeps that conveyor belt of young talent moving on unfortunately Hugh you'll be pleased obviously looking at the bottom of the table because nobody could uh, could have foreseen that that's how the season would start Motherwell were anchored it's now Livingston in five points after eight matches Hamilton on six points after seven games St Mirren and uh, St Johnson on seven and Motherwell on eight, along with Kilmarnock. Then come Dundee United on ten, Ross County on eleven. Um, how well do you think Motherwell? I've said well again this season. Where do you think you'll end up at <laughs> you the end? You shouldn't have of, told him, Hugh. Yeah. Where do you think you'll end up at the end of the season? Uh, well, obviously, when I speak to Robin that the, the other week there, um, I think it was Sai or as Barry asked me, he says, "Are you concerned about the start?" I says, "Not at all." I says, "Because I'm watching the team." I goes, "The only thing we were really needing to do." was just get that first goal. We were all, and even Stephen Robinson said it. He says, we were constantly pressurising. I think we did the, out one of the games, I think that our average possession was something in the 63 64% possession in all, all those games, and we weren't winning them. So he was right the other day when he says, we've just sat back and let teams have us and we'll hit them in the counter-attack because we're dangerous on that. Now, I'm really glad, because I see it as well, that I was really wanting Tony Watt the team because I thought he gave us something different. And I know he was getting fit and he was getting up to a, a certain level to, to obviously be match fit. And I think, again, Tony Watt at Aberdeen was brilliant as well. Yeah. And, I, and and hopefully this is the team. I was listening to Barry and Sai last night as well. And even Barry Ferguson says, he goes, sometimes you need a team to fit a player. He goes, and hopefully Muller is that team. Because I know Tony's been round and like, I think he's been 12 teams he's been at. And he's not sort of fitted in in the teams. And I do I honestly hope, because I, I think Tony Watt is a fantastic Fantastic play for us. Uh, I love him and Long. Him and Long together, I think, will be a perfect partnership. Um, yeah, it so seems to work. That, that can come to yeah. yeah, hopefully it can come to fruition. Yeah. We will finish. I can definitely see us finishing the top six. Yeah. Um, but well, they're three points I'm, off fifth I'm, and four points off fourth. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, yeah, when that, you consider people say it's been a dreadful thing. start. You think you're one one away from being in the top six again and kicking on. So, listen, I'm not too sure if I'll finish third again, but there'll certainly be, I would imagine, top six and above that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, def, def, definitely agree with that. I'm all those okay. younger fans. You, you were talking about earlier on, Craig's about. Um, I was listening to Can mm. Way Home um, about younger fans on Twitter saying all oh, this and that. But obviously, I was like, look, just mm. Mallow's a roller coaster. Keep the heat. One season you're yeah. up, one season you're down. It's like yeah. every other team. But, I mean, I followed Mallow since I'll be back in the 70s so mm-hmm. I, I know how it is and I just appreciate year on year the team progressing team progressing I think Rob has got the team playing a certain way and he, and he changes it mm-hmm. like what he says there we were okay. playing a certain way at the beginning of the season weren't getting the results let's change it so he's changed it against Aberdeen 
and, and especially against Aberdeen and look how, how we've turned out so I just take each game at a time hopefully come Thursday okay. I'll, I'll take it at a time and so hopefully but thanks very much for Hugh, the call guys thank you very much cheers, thanks a cheers. lot avid listener cheers. there tell your friends and uh, we're on every night 5 till 7 the Go Radio football show uh, I'm hearing Darren Day will be on tomorrow night as well along with Andy Halliday on the programme he'll be calling in so we're looking to the matches uh, on Thursday Crags as they call you <laughs> 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 I feel terrible saying been, that at the start, but now I'm fine. A lot worse. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> I feel odd calling you Stephen now. <laughs> I know. So, I don't answer Stephen anymore. <laughs> what about these matches then? Rangers in Holland then. Uh, tough one, but would you well, expect Rangers to win? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Certainly a step up in class with yeah. regards Lincoln Redimps last weekend, yeah. Paul. Or, or, sorry, last Thursday. I think the experience of last season, although they didn't win in Porto and they didn't win in, in Rotterdam, they drew the games, but they were very impressive. The style may suit them. I mean, uh, Hugh was talking about Motherwell sitting off it may suit Rangers to sit off a little bit mm-hmm. bring Willem Tway on and then use that pace on the counter attack of course they won in, Midi- in Mitchelland last year and they won in Braga so they will have no fear use that experience and that knowledge of, of previous visits away from home and Rangers will win yes Stephen Gerrard and the team seem to love that tournament well they do sometimes players thrive on it because yeah. in, in Scotland they're always the driving force they're always trying to force the game and there's not a lot of space and they've got to be patient whereas away from home they can suck up a little bit of pressure they can play slightly different there's more space for them to play and I think the players just excel in it Aberdeen in uh, Pol- in Poland in Portugal as we know is Sporting <laughs> Lisbon and as she told us earlier they've got the Covid problem as well but it's Sporting Lisbon so I wonder how that's going to go well listen I'm sure when they go below their first team they've still got top quality players whether it's their B team or their under 21 side or under 18 side they will have good players but they have to take a lot of heart from how they've started the season Aberdeen of course Sunday was a setback for them no doubt about it but sometimes it's all about responding what's your response from that Derek will be looking at the character of his players so they've got to thrive in the environment again there's no crowd hostility may certainly play into their favour so let's hope Aberdeen can get through and your old team then Motherwell will be in Israel Hapol Bersheva it's going to be tough Absolutely, no doubt about it. Probably because they don't know an awful lot about them. Mm-hmm. You know, they've only played, I think, three games this season. Their game was cancelled at the weekend, I think, in preparation for this Thursday game. I think, the, is the country in lockdown as well? I think the Oh, game, I don't know, just, you know. There, is, there was some yep. doubt about whether the yep. game would go ahead. So, all that uncertainty going on. Motherwell have had a busy spell, but they've got to take huge heart from their last two league games. Won them both, uh, both with clean sheets as well. The back threes, Stevens went back to, he's got players on form. So I'm going to say yes, I think Motherwell can do it. And Celtic in Latvia for the match with Riga. It's a banana skins, you know, supposedly, reckon, but yeah. uh, Celtic are better than them, absolutely, no doubt about it. I mean, they are top of the Latvian league, but you like to think the Scottish champions are better than the Latvian champions. Although, with all the ties, particularly Rangers and Celtic, that one-legged tie, Paul, away from home, can give the underdogs that little bit of hope but certainly, yes, Celtic will beat Riga, no problem. Stephen and Ali, thanks very much. And for each of you listening tonight, it's been quite an evening to have the, the icon, Kenny Dalglish, Stephen, yeah, exactly. on, on the programme. And some great Amazing. insight from Terrific. him. Terrific. And yeah. I thought his enthusiasm, he was pro- uh, spoke positively about Scottish football, about Andy Robertson, about Liverpool. All things are good. And it's so touching the way it has been there for, for Kenny to hand over the title to them. The trophy is something that will live long in the memory, isn't yeah. it? Well, he still said he's looking forward to the the parade around Liverpool yeah. that's what they all will look forward to I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will enjoy that as well and just I think that's what I liked about Jurgen Klopp he gets Liverpool he gets the, he gets the city so does Kenny Duglish thanks Willie for sorting that thanks to all of you coming up some great music and then the breakfast tomorrow morning and we're back tomorrow night at five good night the Bull Radio Football Show Let's go.